good morning, church. I know that uh, if you're watching us on Facebook or on uh, our website, you're not able to see anything other than a screen that says the doors will open in about 9 minutes and 12 seconds. And the reason for that is today is Volunteer Appreciation Day here at Wednesday. And everybody is standing outside the worship area eating pastries and fruit and bacon. chance for us to uh, show our appreciation for everybody who volunteers here. So if you uh, are online and you're watching us and you're a volunteer with anything we do, we just want to say thank you. I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now and thought, how do we ever get so far down? How's it ever going to turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven, said, God, why don't you do something? Just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. Well, the thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. Said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. Well, I created you. Well, if not us, then
Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. Great is your love of justice, O God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And nothing can keep us apart.
So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough. It's enough for me. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. Wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. Oh, how great is our God! So sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great. How great is our God, oh sing with me, how great is our God, and all will sing how great, how great is our God. Name above all names, he's worthy of all praise, my heart sing how great, how great is our God. The splendor of the King, He's clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He's wrapped Himself in light. And darkness tries.
tries to hide It trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God Won't you sing with me How great is our God And I will see how great How great is our God How great is our God Sing with me how great is our God And I will sing how great How great is our God This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set free you've done for me and worthy is the lamb who was slain and worthy is the king who conquered the grave and worthy is the lamb who was slain and worthy is the king who conquered the grave Well, good morning. I hope you found something to eat this morning. And thank you for, one, helping us celebrate all of the amazing people who serve so faithfully. And also thank you to everyone who serves. Um, there's so many people who serve in so many ways, whether that's greeting at the door, serving coffee and cookies, serving communion, um, helping in the nursery, kids ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, leading groups. There's so many different ways. And we couldn't do it without you because the church is not a building or a place you go or it's not the staff or the programs. The church is the people of God. And it takes so many amazing people like you to make this place amazing. So thank you all for all that you do. Yeah, thank you all so much for being here. If you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, I can't think of a way that I serve and I really want to. I want to get involved somehow. 
um, you can pull out your smartphone and scan this QR code. This will take you to our digital bulletin, so uh, anybody can do this, and it'll tell you all about what's going on here at 1C, and there will be a button um, all about service uh, so we can contact you and help you get involved somewhere here or uh, somewhere in our community. So thank you again for being here. Would you please rise for our first song? Not looking down, frowning with an attitude Not because of what you do, but who you tell it to And they wonder why we call it good news Here's some good theology that'll set you free When he looks at you, he is only pleased indeed Not because of what you do, but who you tell it to And they wonder why we call it good news Got us in a good mood Let me just remind you Some say God is love but full of aggravation Some say he don't talk to you unless you're perfect too But if you know him you can laugh cause you know that ain't true Here's some good theology that'll set you free When he looks at you he is only pleased to be Not because of what you do but he tethered to And they wonder why we call it good news God is in a good mood Let me just remind you His smile You may be seated. As a staff, we uh, found something that we kind of wanted to share with you guys, so here it is. There are many among you who volunteer here 
You volunteer tirelessly and usually with cheer. Even though we ask you at the last minute, if it needs to be done, we can count on you to be in it. You help teach our children or dry the dishes. You plant or uproot stuff based on our wishes. Some bake cookies, some fetch donuts. How the coffee is made is quite beyond us. You decorate the church and then take it down. You run tech, lighting, cameras, and sound. You greet and usher and serve communion. Every Sunday is like a volunteer reunion. Some of you sing and hit the right notes. Others play music great composers wrote. You commit for a day, a month, or a year. You lead classes and meetings without fear. Every great volunteer is in great demand. Without you, these little jobs can get out of hand. We know you have lives and it's hard to commit. We hope the difference you make makes all of this worth it. The impact of your kindness brings many folks cheer. Once you volunteers, we are in awe of you this year. So thank you, thank you, and thank you again. Well done, faithful servants. Well done, our friends. Last week we gathered together and we got to focus in on the greatest volunteer ever, and his name is Jesus. When salvation was on the line, Jesus said, I got it. And he came to this earth as a babe in Bethlehem, lived a perfect life, suffered, died, rose again, and he brought victory in life for us. Now, out of thanksgiving to him, we respond and we, we do the same thing. We volunteer, we serve, we make a difference in the lives of people. So it is this beautiful rhythm, Christ in us and with us and then Christ through us. So thank you. I'll just say from, from a pastor's heart to all of you, um, amazed at what God does in you and through you, not just here at 1C, but in our community. I get to bump into some of you doing remarkable things all over the place, so keep it up. And we give all the glory to God. All right, a couple things. Um, hmm. Guests, you're a guest here. Just so you know, we put on this spread every single week. Okay, we don't quite do it that way. We do have coffees and cookie, um, but we gather together every week to celebrate Jesus and what he's done for us. So thanks for coming today. Love for you to come next week as well. We're going to keep celebrating what Jesus did every single Sunday until uh, we meet him again or he comes back. So just please, please come on back. And if you're online, thanks for uh, tuning in and being a part of this wherever you are. God bless you as well. We do want to get to know you, several different ways to do it. In fact, if you're in the house, you'll see these cards. It's going to walk you through what to do. If you're a guest, you could text or stop at um, Next Steps. You could do over there. Um, if you're online, put something in the comment section that will get us connected. If you have a prayer and you'd like included in worship, that card will tell you how to do that, or you can put it right in the comment section on Facebook Live. And also for communion. We're going to have communion soon, and we believe here it is bread and wine and body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. It is a gift of grace for people like you and me. And if you want to know what we believe as a church and how we do it, once again, that card will walk you through couple quick announcements. Next week, Sunday, 1215, voters meeting. Would you all applause for a second? Just applaud. All right, that's really great. Voters meetings are so important. We as God's people gather together and we are going to seek his will, his way for his church. You just applauded for that, just so you know. I hope you will come back for that. 
Because um, we, the church, you know, Greg mentioned that. It's not a building, it's people. And when we come together and we seek the Lord and we seek his leading and guiding in mission, in ministry, it's so important. And so next Sunday, we're going to be having election of leadership team and also something new for 1C, our elders. And uh, someday I'll explain more to you about that, but feel free to call me if you have a question. Um, it, it's going to be a, a gift for the church. So that's going to take place. We'll have a financial update, and then I have some thoughts I'd like to share with you from my heart to yours. All right? So that'll be next week, 1215, right after the service. So I'm hoping who's ever preaching next week will keep it short, right? Keep it appropriate. Also, if I can have up the next slide, National Day of Prayer. Thursday, May 5th, 6.30, downtown at Frankfurt Square. Let me just tell you, the gift of prayer is one of the greatest yet most underutilized gift that I think God has given us. And so we're going to gather together and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for this world, our country, our community, all of us individually. And we are going to petition the Lord for his favor and blessing and leading in all of that. So come and be a part of it. All right? It will be a blessing. Uh, last but not least, in a moment, of joy baskets will be passed, and uh, it's an opportunity for us to, to give back in response to all that God has given to us. So in preparation for that, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have given us one blessing on top of another, and uh, we can't even count how many blessings those are. And you take great delight when we say thank you, and we do it as we sing our praises, as we pray our prayers, as we use our time, our talents, our treasures to your glory. So lead us, Lord, by your spirit. May we be faithful. In your name we pray. Amen. Walking. 
are coming. This meal up here is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a gift that comes from God to people like us. As uh, we get ready for this, uh, I would like to give us an opportunity to profess what we believe. And I don't know, a couple months ago in February, we came across this profession of faith that wraps together things like talking about our sin, but talking about Jesus and what he's done for our sin. And then an opportunity for us to say, I want to be faithful. I want to follow you wherever you call us. So if I could have that up on the screen, and would you join me in saying this out loud? I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament. And under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in his body, the church, by regular group worship, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. May God grant us the faith to not just say these words, but live them out as his children. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And as we continue now with the distribution, if you have those individual communion sets, feel free to receive those elements, that the bread and wine and the body and blood of Jesus, believing in Jesus and his presence. And if you're going to come forward for communion... Feel free to do so during the song, and if you desire to have uh, gluten-free or grape juice, please let the server know. And now may God grant us the faith to believe and to receive that these are God's gifts for all of God's people. Amen.
wake up with a broken heart in my chest. I couldn't sleep, couldn't get no rest. Weighed down by the heaviness of life. I tried to shake it, flipping through my phone. But all it does is make me feel more alone. How could anything that feels so wrong be right? Seven million voices separate us But only one can show us who we are We are made, made in the image of Made in the image of God Beautiful shades of love We are Made, made in the image of, made in the image of God. And that's where the light comes from, yeah. We all need the same medicine. We all need another second chance. There's no first in line at the foot of the cross. Flipping through my phone, but 
All it does is make me feel more alone. How could anything that feels so wrong be right? Seven billion voices separate us. And only one can show us who we are. We are made, made in the image of of God, beautiful shades of love, we are made, yes, made in the image of, we are made in the image of God, that's where his light comes from, made, yes, made in the image of, you and I are made in the image of God. Beautiful shades of love We are made, made in the image of We are made in the image of God That's where the light comes from Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for mission, for ministry, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Lord, we thank and praise you for your faithfulness that never ends and your love endures forever. We know our present needs. Help us to trust you with them. We offer up these prayers to you prayers for Tom as he continues to recover from injuries from a car accident, to find a diagnosis and cure for my son's ongoing illness. Lord Jesus, thank you for continued treatment for Nancy. Continue to be with her and bless her in her treatment and healing. For the Tolls family farm and those fighting the fire. We looked up and prayed to you fervently this week. We got comfortable. We learned that praying to you never ceases. Thank you for wrapping your loving arms around Robin Tiffany and the family this week. Prayers of strength for my good friend as she continues chemo. Keep her strong and be with her, her family and friends. Prayer for my friend Eli to stay strong. A prayer thanking pastor. He is so appreciated by all of us. For a very special friend whose sister has been diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Give them the strength to get through this and especially her son Mason. For a friend who starts chemo tomorrow. Give her the strength she needs. Lord, please watch over my grandpa 
and help him heal from surgery. Please be with him, Grandma, and my family as he decides how to deal with his cancer. Thank you, Lord, for all you have blessed us with. God, please help my sister as she is dealing with severe anxiety right now. Please help her to see that she has you, God, to help her and so many tools you have given up to use to cope with anxiety. For the doctors who will be doing my knee replacement surgery this week, and also prayers for this person to have complete healing. Prayers for Marlon. Blood is leaking into his lungs and from his heart. Prayers for my dear, sweet friend, Tiffany. Please keep her healthy and let her know that you are always with her. She spreads joy and positivity everywhere she goes. And I just ask that you bless her because she is a blessing to so many people. On the hard days, help us to remember, you, O oh Lord, will restore us. You will strengthen us. You will make us strong in the midst of our feeling weak. And there's a perfecting of us that's happening in the process. There is purpose even in this. There is hope in the midst of our pain. Lord, let the reality of your love, not our insecurity, be the very first thing that we carry into every conversation today. Because you not only like us, you love us. And that's enough. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to repeat this twice, and then over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear me say this, because I really do believe what we think or believe about God will dramatically impact how we look on life and live our life. So let me say it again, and I want you to let, let it sink in. What we think and or believe about God will dramatically impact how we look on life and also how we live our life. Now, some of you remember my story, but up until the age of 17, when I thought about God, I thought about he was somebody that was about, I'll just say, 82 years old, and he was very grumpy, and that he was looking for a reason to keep me out of heaven. And I always pictured him with his finger out like this, and looking and saying, gotcha. And when I turned 17, and when the gospel became real to me, I no longer looked at God as somebody who was trying to look to keep me out of heaven, but rather I looked at God as somebody who was looking for a reason to bring me into heaven, namely Jesus. And that's an important concept and view. In fact, so much so that the next six weeks we're going to be looking at a theme entitled God Is. And we're going to fill in that blank, and I believe that these characteristics about God or these values, that's another way to look at it, paint a really beautiful picture about this God 
who is powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, yet personal enough to know you and me, and also what we need. And so this week, we have uh, God is blank, and it's hope when you're hurting, and I'm just going to let you know what the fill in the blank is. It's merciful. God is merciful. So let me um, paint a picture to help you understand the, the rhythm of this idea of mercy. Remember, God created the heavens and the earth. He formed and fashioned everything. But when he got to the crowning moment of his creation, which was mankind, he said, let us make man in our image. So he, so he did. And then we find God breathing into the nostrils the breath of life something he did not do with any other part of creation. So he was setting apart this relationship with mankind to be totally different than any other thing he created. And God wanted a relationship with this crowning moment. And you could look in the book of Genesis and you see them in the Garden of Eden and you could see this relationship unfolding. And then we can also see this relationship being altered dramatically. If you recall, there was only one commandment at the time. God said, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, because if you eat from it, you will, what? You will die. Now, I don't think Adam and Eve understood what that meant, but I, I think they did feel that it's probably not a good thing. And so when it happened, I really believe that what ultimately happened was there was this death between a relationship between God and humanity. It all of a sudden changed. But God was not going to be satisfied with that. So even though sin came into the world, even though there's now this chasm between God and man, God says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do everything I need to so that I can restore this relationship and bring humanity back into relationship with me again. And his brilliant idea was something only he can do. And we find it in Genesis 3.15. Ultimately, it's the promise that I'm going to send my only son and he's going to come and crush Satan and he's going to bring this all back together the way he wanted to do it. Okay. Beautiful recovery mo moment. And then as we see this black thread throughout history called sin, it's still, it's still happening today. If you don't notice that, it's, it's around us. It's in us. But the golden thread of God's promise has been put before us constantly through the scriptures. And I just want to talk about one moment when God makes this renewed covenant, this relationship, where he says, I will be your God and you will be what? My people. Once again, reestablishing this relationship thing, and it's about a relationship. But one of the things that has gotten all of this messy, I'm just going to tell you, is this gift of free will. If God would have only taken that tree out of the middle of the garden, none of this would be a problem. Well, not true. Because then it wouldn't be a relationship. It would be a, kind of a robotic thing. We have no choice. We have to love him. But that's not a relationship. And so he gives us that gift of free will with a great desire that we would be faithful to him even when we have all these choices that are, are circling around us. And yet, constantly throughout the history of the world, look into the Bible, you'll see story after story after story where God's people who knew about the faithfulness of God, God's people who knew that God would provide for them and love them, would constantly kind of choose other things and other people. 
So I want to bring you to a time in the history of God's people where Jeremiah, one of the prophets, also known as the weeping prophet, leaned in on what's going on. God tapped him on the shoulder and said, I want you to communicate to my people. I want you to tell them to be faithful to me. He also told them what's going to happen. I had written down a couple things. Um, Jeremiah lived at a truly terrible time in history. Not only did he experience the horrors of war, starvation, siege, and captivity, he was called upon to tell the people of it, urging them to re repent. And worst of all, they didn't listen. And so we go to the year 586 B.C. A nation called the Babylonians. They come upon Israel, God's chosen people. The nation is crushed. The Babylonians are, um, they burned Jerusalem, the holy city. Thousands of people died. The temple is like burned down to the ground. Uh, thousands of people are now taken to Babylon. And it looks pretty sad. And I was thinking about that in light of our country when we've had a moment like that. I think 9-11 maybe felt like that for those of you that are old enough. If we felt under attack for a minute. But then I right away went to the Ukraine. I was thinking about what they must be feeling right now as another nation is coming upon them and they feel under attack, they feel vulnerable, they feel afraid. What was going on in the life of God's people back then? Well, I want to <clears throat> walk you through a little bit of a story of the book of Lamentations. And we're going to look at Lamentations 3, 19 to 20 in particular. Uh, but I want to pay a little bit more. This is what Jeremiah says. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Now, very heavy words, Jeremiah is feeling the burden and the pressure of all the stuff that's going on for himself, but also for the people. This is just one snippet. He is summarizing, actually, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And if you ever want to have a downer, read the Lamentations. Let me, I mean, here's, the, here's what he, he says. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. In other words, theologically speaking, God gave the children of Israel free will. They could either listen to him or not listen to him. And when they don't listen to them, there's a consequence. And they're experiencing it now. So you're going to hear the consequence to their behavior. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. And it goes on and on like this. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is lamenting the circumstances and the situation that they're in. So that's why those words, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. I was thinking, um, but how would we say it? Maybe our circumstances. If we were to take what he said and put it into con maybe contemporary 
um, situation or language. And I ran across another pastor that was talking on Lamentations 3, and this is how we'd say it. Life sucks. I mean, and you could put up your big long list of all the reasons why life really is not so good. But here's the thing about Jeremiah. God has been faithful to Jeremiah through and through. God has given Jeremiah a faith, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of despair, even in the midst of depression, even in the midst of desolation. God has given him a faith to say this. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. No matter how bad chapters 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 so far has been, no matter how bad all of that is, I still have hope. Why? Verses 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. It seems as if Jeremiah is holding into perspective with all the stuff going on around him and how bad it is. He is focusing in on the character of God more than what's going on in the world. Um, something I'm speaking in my office a lot, you know, with counseling and life coaching, I say there's two things that buy for our attention all the time. And they're battling for our attention. There's this fear of God mentality, which is not the shaking kind of fear, but the more of awe and wonder about who he is and how great he is and how merciful he is. And then there's this other thing called fear of man. And the two battle for our attention. And I will just say this. They are always juxtaposed. And what that means is this. The more fear of man that you have, the less fear of God you're going to have. And the more fear of God that you have, the less fear of man that you have. And it goes like this throughout our entire life. And I've been challenging people in my office and actually challenging myself in the mirror. What do I need to do to make sure the fear of God is greater than the fear of man? Because it seems to be that's what Jeremiah has. He's got this fear of God that is keeping him strong through everything. I'd like to uh, maybe break apart the word mercy because that is the character we're looking at today. And there's three words that sometimes kind of roll into this and we need to make sure we know the difference between the three. Uh, the first one is that of justice. Justice is when you get what you deserve. How many of you like justice? Now here's the loaded question. How, how many of you like justice when it's on other people? How many of you like justice when it's on you? I mean, that's a little different. There are many times, I'm going to tell you, I hope, I hope that person gets what they deserve, right? But when it comes to me, I hope I don't get what I deserve. How about the idea of grace? When you get what you don't deserve. And we just saw the greatest example of that, the story of Easter. Forgiveness of sins, salvation, life with God, now, tomorrow, and for eternity, 
not because I've earned it or deserved it, but because it is a gift. It's like, here you go. I love you this much. That's grace. That's grace. And then the other one that can sometimes look like, but it's different, is the idea of mercy. When you don't get what you do deserve. When you don't get what you do deserve. Example, right? Remember, I'm a son of a cop. And there were many times I pulled the, my dad is a cop. Do you know Captain Thielen? And instead of getting a ticket, I get mercy. Do you like that? Those moments when you get mercy like that? That's really a good thing. Or if you were here on Easter, I gave a story, actually it's the story of Jesus that we find in Luke 15, that I think talks about and touches on justice, grace, and mercy. So it's the story of the prodigal son or the forgiving father. Remember, the younger son goes and says, hey dad, give me my inheritance. And the father, out of grace, says, here you go. The son goes away off to a distant country, squanders every single thing, um, and life is not so good anymore. And it says he comes to his senses, and then he comes back. And justice, for him to get what he deserves. Remember, according to the Talmud, which is the religious law book that the Jewish people followed, there was a ceremony that would happen when somebody who disgraced the family would come back. The family and friends would get a pot like this. They would fill it with rotten, smelly, stinky food, animal dung, you name it. You, whatever's bad, you put in it. And then while well, the, the, the person that did the offense is over there, they would all gather together and they would take it and they would smash it right in front of them, in essence saying, you are dead to me. According to the Talmud, that would be justice. But how did the story go? Not the way it went. Instead, when the son comes back, and he, he kind of knew about the character of the dad. He thought he could get a job with dad, but it went such, so much more than that. So when, in, instead of getting what he deserved, he got grace. So the son comes back, and the father is so ecstatic. He says, hey, servants, get the robe, get the sandals, get the ring, get the fattened calf. We're going to party. We're going to pour grace on my son who was lost and is now found. So I think it's a beautiful example of justice and grace and mercy. And this is the God that we come to worship today. Now in uh, the New Testament, this idea is talked about a lot. And the Apostle Paul, remember, he at one time understood the law really well. I mean, he was really good at the law. So when he looks at, when we see Ephesians 2, he gets this part. He says, you can advance it, please. Oh, go back, please. Let me get there. There you go. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. Paul says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So in other words, Paul is saying, God has righteous wrath, and we deserve it. We deserve everything that we should get because of our sin. But then Paul, because he understood now grace, he understood forgiveness, because he got it himself 
we get to uh, verses 4 to 5. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, raised, when he raised Christ from the dead. So yes, we deserve death and separation, but because of Christ, we have new life and forgiveness. It's a remarkable, and as I said before, this is ridiculous. The grace, the mercy of God is ridiculous. It is beyond our comprehension, and yet it is a gift that is given to us. Now, when Paul uses the word uh, mercy, he says rich in mercy, so he's really emphatically saying this. He uses the Greek word elios, and it is used, like in English, we have different tenses, like past, present, future. Well, Greek has the same thing. He uses the present and it goes into the future. It always is there. His mercy doesn't stop. It's an overflowing river, if you want to use that. It just keeps flowing. It keeps coming. It's the God who did this before in the past. It's the God who's going to do it today. And it's the God who's going to do it tomorrow. That's the kind of mercy Paul is talking about. Even though we deserved this, we get this. And if you were here on Easter Sunday, I talked about this can't remember the Japanese term for the art form, but they'll take a broken, fractured pot and put it back together, not just with cement, but with fine gold. And they put it together. And the value of this pot is greater after it's repaired than when it was before. And I know we scratch our head, how can that be? But that's called the Christ factor. It's when he does his thing in our life. Now, I want to give you an example of somebody who understood this as well. Uh, David, in the Old Testament, is, is often spoke of as the man after God's own heart. He understood God, he loved God, he followed God, but not perfectly. Remember his sin with Bathsheba? Not good. Or sending Bathsheba's husband to the front line? Not good. There is another instance in 2 Samuel 24 where he had done another one of his many sins, and now he is responding, and he says these words. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into human hands. What is he getting at? David knows God, and he knows human beings. He knows that human beings just love justice and are drawn to justice and want to pummel people, but he also knows that there is forgiveness and new opportunities with God. And I, I liken it to, how many of you have ever done the trust fall thing? You know what the trust fall is? Yeah. Right, where you were like this, and you, you might even blindfold yourself, and then you have somebody behind you, and then you go like this, and then you fall back, right? What's the difference? Let's just say it is somebody you know, you trust, they look strong enough, they look up, their ability looks just right, you can fall into their arms. You still might be a little nervous, but you'd fall back and they would catch you. You'd feel okay with that. But what about somebody who you know, on even their best day, they couldn't catch you? Different, isn't it? And that's what David's getting at. Lord, I need your mercy. I may not get it from the world. <clears throat> and I think he's getting at something that we find in the book of James. James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And I just, I really believe that if we, the church, Christians like you and me, did a better job of mercy than judgment, I think the gospel would be advanced better than ever before. But did you know 
that when they do studies of people who don't go to the church and they don't come to something like this, when they're asked, what do you think about the church? What do you think about the people in the church? You know, is one of the first things they say about the church? It's judgmental. And maybe that's where I got the picture as a kid growing up that God was like this. Because maybe there were other people that were like this. And, but the writers of James, and I think David would to attest to this, Paul would to attest, mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, mercy is going to make a greater difference in life than judgment. Romans chapter 12. <laughs> in view of, God, of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is where I want to bring it home for you and me. I want you to picture whatever time you go to bed. I'm just going to tell you 10 o'clock at night. Maybe you go to bed before or after that. But just picture this. You're getting ready to go to bed. And you have an opportunity to let a lot of things fly by your mind at that time. Right? You might watch the news before you go to the bed. You might have a good book you want to read. You might do the Facebook scrolling thing. You might, I mean, a lot of things present themselves to you and say, look at me. But here's what Paul says, and I think it would help us. As we get ready to go to bed, would you please view God's mercy? View what he has done for you. View that never-ending, <coughs> all-perfect, overflowing mercy of God that has come to you and fall asleep knowing that. <coughs> and then maybe, how about this, when you wake up in the morning, before you put your feet on the ground, before you do what I do, okay, my alarm goes off, it's over usually on this side. And I'll go like this. How many of you do that same thing where you find your alarm and try to put the snooze button kind of thing and get an extra five or ten minutes sleep? How about this? The next time it, <clears throat> next time it goes off, maybe sit up. And before you put your feet on the ground, say, God, Thank you for being merciful to me. Thank you for knowing my sin and not giving me what I deserve. Thank you for giving grace in such a way that I am changed for eternity. Do that before you put your feet on the ground. See how it changes your 24-7. See how it changes how you navigate through life. See how it changes you when you're dealing with somebody who is I'll just say an EGR person. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Extra grace required. They're the really tough people in life to live with. <clears throat> Sometimes that would be me. But, you know. Think about that mercy before you get out into the world. And then be an ambassador. Go out there with this grace, this mercy, this love, and watch how it changes you, but also how it changes others. Amen? All right, let's stand. I want to share with you the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Verdict was guilty. Case closed. The end. No chance for me to ever leave this prison of my sin. Now I know it might sound crazy, but one day a key unlocked that cell. I heard a small voice say, Your debt's been paid by somebody else. And now I'm walking, walking. Now is that's not where I stay Cause I gotta say 